So, uh, uh, hi, it's Graham here. Sorry to interrupt your podcast listening like this, but uh, I wondered if you could do us a little favour. I haven't told Carol I'm going to do this, and frankly, I'm not sure she's going to find out. Let's maybe keep it that way, shall we? Uh, I don't think she listens to the podcast, so she won't hear that I've tacked this on to the beginning. But the European Security Blogger Awards, they're about to happen, and Smashing Security has been nominated in a couple of categories. Huzzah, huzzah! You can vote in the awards for your favourite security blogs and security podcasts, hint, hint, but you've only got a few days before the voting closes. So do it today. Do it now. Hit pause. Oh, not before I've told you the URL. It's smashingsecurity.com slash vote. That will redirect you through magic to the voting form. And, well, hey, made the best podcast co-hosted for the last six or so years by a Brit and a Canadian win. Um, yeah, over to you. Smashingsecurity.com slash vote. Thank you very much. We love you all, uh, at least the people who vote for us. Uh, but for now, back to your normal service. And uh, sorry about this interruption. You say he's a powerful guy, but Brian Krebs doesn't have 702,048 followers on Twitter. Corral, like some people do. And, and that's true. And I can tell you though, like you're just jealous, Graham. It's disgusting. Totally, totally. <laughs> Smashing security, episode seventy-four. Smashing security isn't bullshit. With Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Smashing Security, episode seventy-four. My name is Graham Cluley. I'm Carol Terrio. And we're joined today by a special guest, new to the show, BJ Mendelssohn. Uh, BJ, you're the author of Social Media is Bullshit and a new book entitled Privacy and How to Get It Back. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks so much for having me. You know, I'm, I'm really happy that that second book title does not have a swear word in it. <laughs> I was just thinking, do we have to uh, censor the name I, of his yes, book? Yes, we will. It's going to be, be Social Media is Beep. Yeah, bull. <laughs> I think bull is all right, isn't it? <laughs> that, that's how Amazon uh, abbreviated it. Like, if you go to search for it within Amazon, it'll only go to bull and then stop. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> now, BJ, I- I'm fascinated by your first book, Social Media is Bull, came out. So you're obviously not a big fan of social media, right? <laughs> oh, that's putting it mildly. Right? <laughs> so explain to me how somebody who thinks social media is bull, I'm going to be putting in that bleep sound a lot. Has 702,048 followers on Twitter. Ah. That you nurture. So I've been on Twitter for about a decade now. Uh, I I did my best for about five years to troll as many of those followers as I could uh, (laughs) and and get rid of them. Um, I succeeded in doing about 300,000. But so where those people came from, uh, Twitter, this is a little bit of a history lesson for, for Twitter. When they first launched... They used to have a little sidebar on the right back when it was just marketing people talking about how great Twitter was. Uh, and, and they would suggest like other accounts to follow. And yes. I was I was very early on there writing oh. jokes as a comedian. So uh-huh. it was me and then uh, the guy from Marvel, Agent M, and then a few other people uh, that were on the sidebar being featured. And then during the Depression, which I don't call it the recession, I call it the Depression here in the States, because that's that's what it was. Uh, during the States, when I was working as a mall Santa, I got really desperate to find a job. And so I applied to Twitter to be their secretary, because I, I don't know a thing about coding or anything else. So right. I, I said to them, hey, I, you know, I'm a breast cancer advocate. I'm doing this thing on the side where we're raising money for different not-for-profits. Could you promote my account the same way you used to? 
I didn't hear anything from them for about two months. And then okay. all of a sudden, they roll out this suggested user list. And so it was like 30 celebrities. And then you would scroll down the list. And then there was my like <laughs> ugly face at the oh, very bottom. Wow. And then here's the best part. You had to bulk follow everybody. Oh. So, <laughs> and so no matter what you did when you signed up for Twitter, you would follow like Bill Cosby back when he was a comedian and not a monster. Uh, you, you would have Bill Cosby and all these comedians and celebrities that you would be following me. So that's, uh, you know, I was almost up to a million followers at one point. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, so that's... Did it go to your head? No, you know, and that's that's sort of where the book came from, is because I realized real fast it didn't matter. They weren't going to go to your funeral if something it, bad Exactly. Happened. Well, yeah. they, they wouldn't meet me at a Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> they wouldn't even meet you for a donut? We'll all go to Bill Cosby's funeral. That's what he's hanging on for. Don't worry, Bill. We'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you, like, so the best part was, so my, my ex-wife and I, and this is why she's my ex-wife, uh, we decided to do... <laughs> this nationwide breast cancer outreach tour. And we had the bright idea of doing it entirely through Twitter. So we would go to different places and be like, hey, if you're on Twitter, come and meet us at Washington, D.C. and uh, come to the Dunkin' Donuts or come meet us at the Sheridan in Raleigh, North Carolina. And so no one one showed up. (laughs) Oh, God. And this is with like a million followers. And so I said, all right, maybe maybe they're shy. Maybe they're like me and they're just, you know, antisocial atheists like I am. And, and so and I'm like, right, lazy antisocial atheists, which is, which is the title of my next book. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, let's do a fundraiser for a not-for-profit. I'm going to ask all one million of you or whatever it was at the time to donate $1. And if you could do that, then this will be, you know, if even a fraction of you do that, this will be a big success. And can you guess how much money we actually raised? <laughs> I'm, okay, I'm going to guess. I'm going to say 1,500 quid. 1,500 bucks. Lower. No. Yeah, it was, um, it was $1. <laughs> and it was donated by my ex-wife. And so after that, I was kind of like, okay, either I'm doing something wrong or it just stuff doesn't... They are all bots. Right. Or it's bots or it doesn't work the yeah. way it's been advertised. And so I started to do the research and that's where social media's bull came from. <laughs> How fascinating. But you must have been able to use this platform to support the other things you do. You said that you, you know, you're know you a comedian and you're a comic book writer as well. Yes. Is that right? Um, but the funny thing is the answer is no. Oh. Uh, <laughs> So what I'm finding is I have a very small, like I have a cult following, is what I, how I describe it. Like social media is bullshit, is a cult classic around the world. You know, it, it was printed in in Russian and Polish and Spanish and, and all over the place. And so I, what I found though is that no matter what I do, if it's a comic book or talking about the book, I, I have like the same thousand or so people that will show up and interact with me. And then occasionally there's there's a couple of drive bys. Uh, that don't involve bullets. I'm pleased to say, but right. uh, but that's it. Like that, my audience is mostly people that read about me or listen to podcasts. It's not people that follow me on social. On social, it's just that core group that I've had since like 2008. Hey, yeah, I mean, you've got 2,508 followers on Instagram. That's 2,508 more than I have. Well, they're all, they're probably all bots. They like, probably are. <laughs> they're probably all under the control of Vladimir Putin, aren't they? Uh, well, either that or they're from Bangalore. And I can tell yes. you for a fact, because uh, I hate the term growth hacking, but I wrote, ghost wrote a book for a tech company CEO, and it was about growth hacking and all the, the funky bullshit that uh, companies like Airbnb and Facebook actually did to grow and not what they mm. were telling people. 
And so we went and we we were working with bot farms and all that. So I have no doubt that most of those Instagram followers are probably uh, based out of Bangalore and were part of that project. <laughs> Thanks to Meta Compliance for supporting this episode of Smashing Security. People are the key to minimizing your cybersecurity risk posture. And Meta Compliance makes this easier by providing a single platform for phishing, cybersecurity training, policy, privacy, and incident management. Listeners can get a 10% discount off the high quality cybersecurity e learning catalog by quoting the code SMASHING. Just visit www.metacompliance.com. That's www.metacompliance.com. And welcome back. Now, as you know, and you're probably aware of this, some big companies are now doing their utmost to scare the willies out of us, aren't they, about the dark web. (laughs) And the personal information that has been exchanged about us and shared between criminals on the computer underground. And there seems to be a lot more awareness of the dark web right now. And it seems that more and more companies are using the phrase the dark web to get you interested in things. I saw an ad from Experian, for instance, recently, which featured none other a cybersecurity celebrity than Rudy Giuliani. And let's take a look at it right now. With constant cybersecurity threats, Americans need to take responsibility and protect themselves from identity theft. That's why Experian monitors the dark web globally and alerts you. The thing I love about this video is, do you see how he's looking at his smartphone? That look he has as he looks down at his mobile, that sort of old man look of like... I can't see my screen, really. I'm pretending exactly. I'm looking at it. Exactly. Like I'm peering at this thing and I have to hold it this far away. With my eyes now. Every American needs protection from the dark web. Protect yourself and so your family. this is Rudy Giuliani of New York fame. Alleged America's mayor. <laughs> Friend of Donald Trump. Yes. Who runs a, a computer security firm that no one's quite sure what they do. <laughs> Isn't that true for most security firms that no one really knows what half of them do? Yeah, but at least most of the computer security firms claim what they're doing on <laughs> their web pages, whereas this that's one it keeps it a bit quiet. Maybe that's the definition of proper security. We're not going to tell you what we do. <laughs> sake. <laughs> Just give us your cash. It now, works well in the States. Videos like this. Corporate video. Very good about worrying people about the dark web and thinking, oh, you should do a dark web scan for your information. But sometimes this exchange of your personal information is being done in broad daylight on places like Facebook. And maybe sometimes it's been going on for years and years. Facebook has just deleted over 100 private discussion groups which were helping identity fraud and cyber criminals share information and, and get involved in these various crimes. And it's been going on for years, uncontroversially, completely cool, in the open. So Facebook were aware of these discussion groups and chose to turn a blind eye. And now, because of all the pressure, they've gotten rid of them? Not quite. No. What happened was this. Cybersecurity hero Brian Krebs, who Mm -hmm. we all know, of course, he spent a couple of hours last week using a highly sophisticated technique called searching to <laughs> find these groups on Facebook. So he was sort of putting, you know, credit cards, you know, carding, spamming, botnet help desk, Oh, so DDoS. like le- legit terms that anyone of us would apply to cybersecurity yes. and cyber. And okay. lo and behold, he found hundreds of these groups. In fact, he found groups which contain more than, in total, 300,000 members. 
and they were just openly advertising what they were doing. You know, they weren't claiming to be the Black Hand Gang or something like that. They weren't being all sort of, ooh, you know, a bit, a bit mysterious about things. It was right there. And you could apply to join these groups, and then you could begin exchanging your credit card details, or rather the ones that you'd stolen from other people, with other criminals. Any story involving Facebook where they, where they say they don't know, it just frustrates me, because I, I know for a fact that they do know. And they've just succeeded over the years of just pretending that this stuff is magic. And, oh, wow, well, I didn't know that was happening. It, it's a lot like, uh, do you remember this story with the fappening over on Reddit? Yes. yes. Yeah, where the, the pictures were there for over a week. And then finally Reddit turned around and went, oh, this is happening in our backyard. We'll get, we'll get rid of it right away. Yeah, uh, yeah. They do because they had most of their traffic for the past two weeks was coming from people looking at those pictures. <laughs> right, because they were nude female celebrity photos, right. weren't they? Yeah. Which had been stolen by hackers and placed up on Reddit and many other sites. And that, they were on all the social networks, I'm sure. People were posting them up there, but they, they, they were claiming ignorance. The thing is, even though Facebook's community standards don't allow the sale of illegal goods or services, such as credit card data used by online fraudsters, right. it waits for users to report the activity. And the criminals who participate in this group are unlikely to report the group which they are profiting from. <laughs> right. So all it takes is someone like Krebs just to spend a couple of hours noodling around on Facebook, and he finds so much evidence of this, some of which had been going on for, you know, well, up to nine years these groups wow. had existed, and nothing had happened. It's only when you report these groups that Facebook's team then, you know, sort of races into action um, to review them uh, and, and consider what it, it should do and, and hopefully locks them down. Now, they have shut them down in this particular case. But far too often, Facebook doesn't really seem to be policing itself. It's leaving it up well, to you. Pretty hard to police, though. It's pretty ginormous. And I'm not defending them, but, you know... Whoa! I mean, on, they're man. kind of hiding. They're kind no, of hiding no, no, plain no, no, sight. No, no. I kind Facebook of understand the, no. cybercrim- the cyber criminal's point of view on this is pretty smart, right? I mean, there's millions and millions and millions of people on there. Let's just hide in plain sight. Let's just call our group Cyber Criminals Unite. <laughs> but Facebook has the resources to build a facial recognition database to analyze every image which is being uploaded and compare it to facial templates which is collected of all these other Facebook users and then auto-suggest oh, that could be a photograph of your Auntie Marge. It doesn't have any problem with that. What is so difficult about them writing a routine, looking maybe for common phrases being used by criminals online, Mm -hmm. and then tipping off their team to say, maybe you want to have a look at these groups? Mm -hmm. Nine years, on average, around Mm -hmm. about two years, these groups had existed. One one of the things that that, that frustrates me is, so I've worked with a lot of startups, including companies in the Valley and people that have worked at Facebook. The basic answer is they don't want to spend the money. Yeah. And that's, that's what, I mean, I, I hate to sound like that, but that's that's what it comes down to. Like, I've always had this discussion of, well, why don't you just hire more moderators? And you always see the same expression across Silicon Valley where they, they furrow their brow and then they say, well, humans don't scale. Or, uh, yeah, we yeah. Yeah, so we don't want to pay for it, basically. And so whenever I see stories like this, I mean... It's true. It's easy to hide in plain sight because no one, no one is sitting there and monitoring this stuff. But the other side to it is that it's just not a priority for them. Yeah. And as long as it's not a priority, they're just not. And this has been going on for years. You could buy fake traffic on eBay right now. And I can tell you for a fact that eBay knows that you can purchase fake traffic. And they've only gone and scrubbed that stuff when reporters ask about it. Otherwise, they just don't want to spend the time mm. or resources to, to take it down. 
And hey, if these people are on the platform and using it every day, it bumps up numbers, particularly well, if you're going to the hundreds of thousands, <laughs> yeah. right? So everyone's back gets scratched. That's right. <laughs> right. Chances are that Krebs has only just sort of chipped away at the top of the iceberg here. He only spent a couple of hours looking. He limited himself to English-speaking groups. He didn't count groups which had uh, less than 25 members. But what a powerful guy, right? The fact that he can go spend a few hours looking at this, drop an email, and the sites are scrubbed completely, you know, and probably what happened in less than three days. You say he's a powerful guy, but Brian Krebs doesn't have 702,048 followers on Twitter, Carol, like some people do. I thought that's true. And I can tell you, though, like, so here's, here's a fun You're game. You're just jealous, Graham. It's disgusting. <laughs> totally. Totally. <laughs> well, here's, here's a fun game that everyone everyone at home can play. If, if you find, so, uh, you know, I mentioned eBay, and so I'm going to use them as an example. If you find a, a page on any of these platforms where something illicit is happening, it doesn't matter how many followers you have. If you report it to them, like if you say, hey, I'm a reporter, and they see yeah. the, the keyword reporter or journalist, yeah. uh, within an hour, I, I promise you, they will go and scrub that entire page and that entire group. Because that's that's what happened. I, I found at least 10 pages worth of people selling traffic from Russia over on huh. eBay. And I yeah. said, Yo, look, I, I, I'm friends with, uh, or not, I'm not friends, but I was working with uh, NBC at the time uh, producing a segment. I said, can you comment on this? And within an hour, they went and wiped the entire thing. So it, it doesn't matter how many followers you have. Or, or I mean, look, Brian no. Krebs is my personal hero uh, when it comes to cybersecurity. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't matter. Sorry, Graham. Don't cry, Graham. <laughs> Stop. Just wipe your tears. Graham, you're close second. Just big, deep breaths, <laughs> no, I'm honey. No big, deep breaths. I'm no Krebs. No, you're not. <laughs> It's only it's only because I, I found Krebs first by accident. And so, you know, he was my first and you were my you second. Never forget. Never forget. <laughs> this is true. This is very true. So the moral from all this, I think, is that you don't need to resort to scanning the dark web to find out if your personal information has been disclosed out there and is in the hands of criminals. You can just as easily find this stuff publicly online being shared. So chances are your details are already up for grabs following large major scale breaches like the ones which happened at Equifax not so long ago either. Good old Equifax. BJ, what's your, by the way, BJ, um, I, before we go on to your story, I have to ask. Oh, God. He's going to ask about your name. I'm warning you. That's okay. Ask about the initials. You're sure? It's all, it's all good. Is it a euphemism for bubble jet printer? I'm just wondering. <laughs> I, I wish it was. The downside to being BJ is that when you go into a Starbucks and you tell them what your initials are, they laugh at you. <laughs> As if anyone would be that immature. <laughs> what's wrong with bubble jet? Yeah, you know, we all had one back in the day. What's your story for us this week, BJ? So I, I did something a little a, a little different. Um, I wanted to show people where the money is and why we have to deal with what we have to deal with in the security world uh, with our data. And so I, a lot of people don't realize that WPP is one of the world's largest advertising agencies. And between them, Google, Facebook, there's just this constant flow of billions of dollars going between them and their clients and these tech companies. That's entirely fueled by your data. And huh. and that's why, you know, when we read all these stories about why is Facebook does what it does, or why is Facebook creeping on you? Uh, not that Mark Zuckerberg would ever do such a thing, but it's because there's billions of dollars at stake. And Facebook actually has employees embedded with WPP and vice versa. And so it's just this, this disgusting little... Uh, orgy. Orgy, yes, that, that goes on. <laughs> and so 
a lot of people don't understand that. So I thought I would bring up that as a topic this week because Martin Sorrell, who is in charge of WPP, is actually resigning. Mm. And so. So what does that mean for WPP then if he resigns? Hopefully. Uh, well, so there's the good situation and the bad situation, right? Like with, with anything in life, the, the bad situation is nothing. <laughs> and, and it's just, you know, the, the, the world keeps on spinning. And yeah, so, and our privacy keeps just dribbling away. Exactly right. Uh, so that's that's the bad side. But the good side is that there's been a lot of uh, smoke and hopefully some fire about WPP breaking up because the advertising industry is really an oligopoly. It, it's, you know, there's not a lot of ad agencies. There, there's like three or four large companies that own every single ad agency around the world. Yeah. Sorrell was the one that kind of took this company that was WPP was nothing. Like they were basically owning parking lots and uh, like grocery stores. Like they were just this tiny little thing that just started to buy up all these ad agencies. And he figured (laughs) out if he keeps buying ad agencies, he can become a billionaire. And and so that's, that's really where they came from. Yeah. yeah. That was his plan. And so the, the idea being, if he steps away, they might break it up. And that might be really good news for everybody because if you break up the ad companies and you don't have as many corporate MBA types making the decisions uh, who are completely fascinated and mystified by digital metrics as opposed to more traditional PR and advertising metrics. I just was thinking, because I met one guy from WPP who was pretty high up in the chain and he was coming to do a pitch for a company I worked for. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he came in wearing this you know, beautifully cut suit, but he was also wearing leather slip-on slippers, literally. So oh, he geez. stepped out of his he stepped out of his limo and walked in with his slippers and his suit and it conducted the entire meeting that way. That sounds about right. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I've worked in the advertising industry or uh, up until I retired, quote unquote. And so, yeah. having seen the inner workings, you know, they were not dealing with people that listen to this podcast because people that listen to this are beautiful and smart and intelligent. And yes, they are. Yes, and they're yes, able. They are. They're able to Unlike discern. The presenters. And that's right. <laughs> well, one of them. One of them. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, sorry. It's true. I, I, I revel in my ugliness. Uh, so a lot of people don't understand that. Like when, when you deal with data and when you, when you have these discussions, it's because the people within these agencies don't know any better. And yeah. so if Facebook and Google and Amazon comes to them and say, well, this data is worth a fortune. These metrics are the thing you should pay attention to. Then that's the thing they pay attention to. And so... Uh, hopefully yeah, to scratch um, each other's back exactly. situation and we are the victims of it our we data are. is what's being sold in, and we're getting no piece of that pie no and that's that's my whole thing is i i think people should be paid for their data i i don't yeah that's here, not here. that's not an original idea you know that the lawrence lessig talked about that in 2000 and uh jerome lanier talked about that in 2011 so i'm just a part of a long line of people that have suggested that but it's not a hard system to implement uh, i i'm a little bit of a crypto pessimist but I do think that there's there's space there that we could start compensating people. And if WPP breaks up, then maybe that opens up the reins a bit for us to try that. But I was going to ask, like, do you think that agencies aren't getting the returns they want? From oh, they're not. Data? <laughs> they're totally not. I mean, no. so here's here's the crazy thing. Like, I've sat with, <laughs> I'm trying not to name names. Like, I've sat in a room uh, after a campaign ended, and basically. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Oh well, I can. We can spend the whole episode talking about that campaign. Uh, and, and they sat there trying to fudge the numbers 
because they mm. didn't get as many yeah. impressions as they thought. And they just sat oh, there saying, the, you know, the client doesn't understand. So we're just going to say they had a half million impressions as opposed to 2000 impressions because uh, no one knows what the f-ing impression is. And yeah. so they were able to do that. And so that's really what you're dealing with. And, and that's why Facebook is worth as much as it is and Google's worth yeah. as much as it is and your data is worth as much as it is because you're just dealing with, with idiots, for lack of a better description. Because how many uh, social media departments and marketing departments have targets on how many people view a page or get clicks or get likes or get influencers? Right. So and they're, they're motivated to inflate their numbers and that works very much into Facebook, Google's favor. And yeah. if you believe that most of the traffic on the web and most of the traffic that comes through Facebook is fake, or mm. our bot, um, for lack of a better description, then then you have to wonder, why am I paying all this money on Facebook oh, advertising? Totally. So we shouldn't just be angry at Facebook right. and then That's privacy right. and security debacles which surround Facebook. There are also these other companies which are enabling Facebook, and that includes both the big brands which advertise on Facebook, but also these advertising agencies, these marketing goliaths like WPP, who've been supporting them as well. Mm. They've right. been getting money out of people, out of businesses been pouring it ultimately into Facebook who've turned themselves into a humongous company with perhaps not the fantastic results which those companies may have wished for but marketing agencies have been pulling the wool over the the boss's eyes as to you know the success of campaigns and everyone's thinking well we've got to go digital haven't we we Mm. have to do it this way even if the results aren't actually as impressive as they are sometimes portrayed. I mean, there's a lot of good practical advice, actually, in BJ's book. I'm about halfway through, BJ, so, uh, but you've got a cool. lot of really good stuff in there. So I <laughs> would you. recommend if anyone of our listeners want to kind of get a better handle on their privacy. And I, I like, actually, the way you divided it. You kind of said, look, you can do this by kind of campaigning in your state to try and increase laws to help prevent this stuff. Or you can actually, if you don't like having more laws, you can also just um, employ better tools to help you know, improve your privacy. And you give a good list in your book as well. So it's a good read. I recommend it. Well, thank you. <laughs> Unless the end is, goes really bad, in which case... Ah, it's, <laughs> that's, that is always possible. Uh, spoiler <laughs> alert, everybody dies at the end. <laughs> One of the things which concerns me is in the media, since Zuckerberg was appearing in front of the Senate, etc., uh, a, a lot of the people... Nervously folk- drinking water. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. That's his a default of- state. A lot of people focused on his physical demeanor and haha, he's a bit like data from next generation, you know, Star Trek. And, <laughs> I didn't see that. And, oh no, it's very similar. He was. And it, it's very easy to repeat those things, but it's like, no, 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 you're missing the point. Yes, of course you want to slap him. Of course he's a bit weird, but there's something much, much more serious going on right. here. Well, and it's so the same listen, with Trump though, right? It's and, the same and, thing. You're getting swayed by the looks. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess that the lack of hair flapping in the wind does do it for some people. <laughs> and then the pasty orange. You're right. And then, so I watched the hearing and I, you know, I'm friends with a lot of journalists and mm. they were just piling on how he looks and how he acts and how dumb the senator seems, you know. Because yes, they, they that do. was the other thing. Yeah. So this is what I've encountered with, with promoting my book. Nobody wants to talk about privacy because to them, it, people don't care or it's too hard. And so it's easier, for at least from the American media perspective, to be like, hey, look at Mark Zuckerberg. He's a dork. Ha ha. And yeah. tell that story as opposed to, no, this is what's happening with your data. Yeah. Yeah. There was actually a really good piece on social and privacy problem on, in NY Mag Select All. It was published, I think, on the weekend called Internet Apologizes. And it's a really good piece. I'll put a link in the show notes, but it just talks about the people that built the internet and how they've realized they've created a monster. So yeah. it's the people that have kind of ex- exited Tristan Harris and them. 
Although, can I can I just add, like, I kind of have an issue with those people, too. Oh, tell uh, me. Tell I me. do. Okay. So I know Tristan Harris, he was promoting a book, and he was on 60 Minutes, and uh, there's, like, a whole bunch of, like, ex-Facebook and Google employees yeah. there, like, oh, this, look at all this evil stuff we've done. And I'm thinking, if it was that evil, why'd you do it? Mm. You know, I, I don't know if they knew at the time, though. I think I, they did, though. I, so, yeah. okay, here's my, here's my argument. Having worked with these people and, and knowing that they believe that people don't scale, and, and you know, you're talking about 19, 20-year-olds that have billions of dollars being dangled over their head. Like, mm. They are incentivized to do evil, to make that money. They, mm-hmm. not, they may not perceive it as them being evil, but the actions like Airbnb, they hired a notorious spammer as their CTO. Like they mm-hmm. knew right from the start, that's how we're going to grow. We're going to we're going to do this little Craigslist hash, hack, and we're going to spam people. So uh, to me, like it's at least from my own experience, and that's all I could speak to. The people that I've interacted with, they knew all well what they were doing. So I just I just don't buy the oh look at how terrible this thing is. Hey, if they're saying sorry, mea culpa, true. Then we got to listen. We got to listen. True. Right? You're not gonna you're gonna be bitter old man if you carry on this way, BJ. <laughs> Jesus. I, well, I'm 35. I'm just about to turn 35, so I yeah, guess I'm, that's old, BJ. You're yes. definitely very old. Uh, stop kidding yourself. You're old. I'm you're very over old. the hill. That's the end of it. <laughs> Hope you have a retirement plan. I, oh, I do. <laughs> Stage clown. <laughs> we'll have to leave that for another podcast. Crow, what's your story for us this week? So I want to talk about action fraud. Now, action fraud is the UK National Reporting Centre for Fraud and Cybercrime. So this is where you go if you've been scammed, defrauded, or experienced cybercrime, right? This is similar to the USA's FBI Internet uh, Crime Complaint Centre, IC3, or Canada's Anti-Fraud Centre. So they're all basically nationally recognised, trusted places where you report a cyber incident. Yep. So, boys, imagine you guys get scammed, Right. And you get scammed and you log a report with action fraud. And a little while later, you receive a robocall that says, Press 1 if you have made a report to action fraud. So what do you do? So, so you, you'll get an automated phone call saying, Press 1 if you've made a report yeah, to I'll, action Yeah, I'll do it in the voice if you like. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Press 1 if you've made a report to action fraud. Well, you have made a report to action fraud. So I, I imagine many people would press 1. Yes. Exactly. Thinking, okay, they're getting back to me. You're yeah. thinking you're getting a call back. That's yeah. how actually Apple support works, right? You log an online request and they call you back. It's oh, brilliant. Right, okay. um, now, if you hadn't reported a scam and you received this call, you'd probably just roll your eyes and hang up, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. this is exactly what the scammers are hoping for. Scammers are pretending to be action fraud. They are robocalling UK residents in the hopes of snagging an individual who has actually recently logged a complaint with action fraud. Get it? (laughs) (laughs) So so the fraudsters are pretending to be the people you report the fraud to? Yes. It's kind of genius. And they're trying to catch that tiny, tiny little sliver number of people that said, yes, that's me. They're finally calling me back. Okay. All right. Yep. So when the call is answered, an automated voice says, press one, da 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 and the responder presses one, they are transferred to a fraudster, a live fraudster. Some of the names that have been used, according to Action Fraud, are Officer John Thompson. Oh, he sounds trustworthy. Oh, sorry, Officer John Thompson or <laughs> yes. David Jones. 
because we're in the UK, these are names have already been used and they introduce themselves and inform the victim that his or her computer has been hacked, which has led to their online bank account being compromised and funds being withdrawn. I mean, this is a great way to encourage panic in a potential victim. And fantastic social engineering, isn't it? Because you Absolutely. have reported some yes. sort of shenanigans going on maybe with your credit card or something online. And now it appears as though the authorities have contacted you and said, Thank you for your report. We've investigated this. You've got a problem with your computer exactly. and dot, dot, dot. Yep. Now, to gain trust, they will they will actually confirm some of your personal details. So that can happen. They may know your name, your address, your email address, that sort of thing. And they may also try and gauge your knowledge with questions. So one of them was, is your broadband router displaying flashing lights? <laughs> right? And, oh, you see, there's criminal activity going on. Sorry, Carl, so, I'm going to have to interrupt you right now because I've just looked down at mine and mine is flashing. Uh, uh, so okay. I, <laughs> I think an attack could be happening. Okay, so what I need you to do now, Graham, is I need you to yep. give me remote access to your system so All I right. can help fix the problem. Okay, username admin uh, and password is... Yeah, password is just password. So it, you should be able to get in on that, Yeah, I think. if you can give me your admin. <laughs> exactly, that's what I need. Okay, thank you. And then once I have, obviously, as the fraudster gets remote access to the machine, it's game over, right? You can intercept login pages, install key loggers, record passwords, etc. This is just one of many scams. And it serves to highlight the problem of scams and fraud, because there's a lot of it. According to the Office of National Statistics in the UK, they've recorded more than 5 million incidents involving fraud and computer misuse between 2016 and 2017. And 65% of those were categorized as fraud. So it's a big deal. It's happening a lot. Yeah, I mean, and those are the ones which are actually getting reported as well. Chances are that there's even more than this occurring. You oh, know, yeah, right? because you only report it once you're aware of it. If someone is smart enough just to take five pounds out of someone's account on, every, on a monthly basis and just dribble out accounts, people may not even notice that happening. And I used to report these kind of things to action fraud, but ever since they rang me back and scammed me out of <laughs> even more money, I'm, I'm kind of reluctant. Oh, man. I feel bad because you, you know that there's a lot of people out there that will fall victim to this and not report yeah. it because they don't want to look dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's like it happened to someone in my family. They had a problem with their Kindle. And so they did a search for, can I get some Kindle support? And oh, the, yeah. first, the first link was in one of the ads, but it was, a, it was a criminal one, right? So she called up and gave all access, gave all the passwords yeah. to her Kindle, and then uh, and basically got frauded. Um, mm. So advice time. Graham, I think we should have music for when we have our advice section because we Good. do it a lot. I don't know. I might, I, might, I might find some music for this recording. Uh, okay. We'll see. On the live show, you guys are enjoying it for the first time. <laughs> Even if a caller is able to provide you with details such as your name, don't give out any personal financial information. Don't confirm that information. I'd never grant remote access to your computer to anyone. Never go to the website they give you on these calls. Never install software as a result of the call. And make a note of all the details of the call and report it to Action Fraud or your local national uh, report center. Because every report matters. And that's it. Isn't this a terrible thing, Carol? I mean, your advice, although correct, is just such a terrible indictment upon us. Because basically what you're saying is, if someone phones you up, be very, very cynical. Yeah, and be because suspicious and don't believe anything they say. Right. And, you know, what kind yeah. of world is that for us all to live in? You know, because what will have happened is these scammers will already have got some of your details, maybe your phone number, your name, maybe even some digits from your credit card from some other scam which has occurred, some other data breach maybe. Maybe an ISP got breached or something like that. They've already got all of those details. 
mm-hmm. about you. And so they're saying, can you confirm this is your name? Mm-hmm. And you want to be helpful. You want to say yes. And going back to things like the Equifax data dump, I mean, they may have a lot of this information from you because it's just floating around the web. Right. So, um, yeah, they're able to confirm some things, get more information out of you. In one case, they were actually told one of the recipients, the call the potential victim, that they had 40,000 pounds had been fraudulently taken from their account. Um, so I was thinking, how would they know? And maybe just even through things like, you know, Google ad searching, you can actually put in what is your income bracket? So you can make an educated guess in those cases. Anyway, there you are. So beware of scams. I know uh, that's not new, but uh, I thought this was quite an ironic way of it working. I think it's definitely one to be aware of, the fact that they're pretending to be action fraud. And of course, in different countries around the world, they may pretend to be other agencies as well. uh, So keep your wits about you and, and don't get too paranoid it's always good to be cautious you know like i know some really smart people that have logged into fake bank accounts mm. and otherwise you know these people would otherwise have masters and phds and uh they walk around telling people how smart they are but they fall victim to this all the time so it's always good to just be ridiculously cautious because we're gullible as people i think that yeah a lot of the reasons this stuff works is we you know we have that lizard primate brain that sometimes overrides everything else. And so if someone calls you up and offers you help, you know, the lizard brain goes, oh, okay, I should trust you. <laughs> like, you know, the, the logical, the higher functioning brain doesn't step in and, and save you. So I think that stories like this are important and just constantly reminding people to be vigilant. I bloody hate it, though. I want the world to be a nice, happy place where you can trust your neighbor. I hate all this, but you're right. <laughs> where everybody knows your name. Right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it was just right on tune. Right on tune. Thank you. I can't remember what the tune was. <laughs> Sounded like the real thing there. Hey, Graham. Yeah. It's almost time for our favorite time of the week. Yes, it is. Yes. And thanks once again to Meta Compliance for supporting this episode of Smashing Security. People are the key to minimizing your cybersecurity risk posture. You can save 10% as a Smashing Security listener, off the high-quality cybersecurity e-learning catalogue by going to metacompliance.com and quoting the code SMASHING. And welcome back. It's our favourite time of the show, the part of the show which we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. PJ, can you say it too? Oh, Pick of the Week. Sorry. I, I was Perfect. I was mesmerized uh, for a second by had <laughs> the cat cleaning himself. <laughs> it was just a mess over here. His lizard brain kicked in. <laughs> That's right. Oh, cat licking itself. <laughs> I wish I could do that. <laughs> do you? No. I do. Who does it? Any any guy any guy that tells you that they want it is lying. Like I'm convinced of that. Yeah, I'm a girl though. <laughs> yeah, just saying. Um. Pick of the week is that part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. Could be a funny story, a book they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, an app, a website, a podcast, whatever they like. Doesn't have to be security related Shouldn't necessarily. Be. Now, my pick of the week is something you've probably all heard of and is a bit rubbish because why am I recommending this? Well, I'll explain why I'm recommending. I'm recommending tunein.com, which is also an app which allows you to listen to radio stations all around the world or podcasts, including... I never use TuneIn, and I saw this as your pick of the week. Mm. And tell me why you use it. So, obviously, you can use it to listen to podcasts, you know, but there's plenty of other podcast apps. You can listen to news 
And you can listen to radio stations from around the world as well. And All in the same app. If Yes. And if you're prepared to give them $9.99 per month, you can listen to live sports like NFL and ML... I don't even know what these are. Yawn. MLB, NB. <laughs> MLB is the only one that matters. <laughs> is it? Okay. <laughs> what does that mean? Major League Baseball. Okay. Uh, so American sports uh, <laughs> where people run around and get yeah. hot and sweaty and those sort of things. If you want to, you can do that. Very important stuff happens. Website. But the reason why I have started using TuneIn.com is I have a new favourite Trump crush. What? Now, a Trump crush is something, is a term I have adopted <laughs> for someone who I enjoy listening to when they discuss the fascinating soap opera, which is American politics. Speaking as a European, only respite I get from our terrible Brexit situation is to look across at America and say, well, at least we're not quite in the same mess as those chaps over there. It could be worse. <laughs> Misery right? does love company. Misery loves company. <laughs> the thing is, if you're over here in the UK, you can't watch CNN. You can't watch the American version. You only get the Europe. Whereas the American version of CNN is pure 24-hour Trump, right? Yep. And similar MSNBC. So I'm able now via tuning to listen to the soundtrack of MSNBC. And so I'm oh. able to catch up on my Trump crush. Who you is need to get a freaking life. Rachel Maddow. <laughs> I think you'd quite like her. Oh, would uh, I? She, yes. Ooh. <laughs> she, has an, she has an hour-long show, where, and I love her delivery, where she talks about what's been going on during the day in the crazy world of Trump and associated cronies. Um, and that is why I use TuneIn.com. And if you're not fascinated by Trump, maybe you just want to listen to podcasts or music or live sports or any of those things as well, or internet radio, go and check out TuneIn.com, which is my pick of the week. Hmm. Interesting pick of the week. Yeah, now I've lost half of our American audience again. <laughs> I will... Um... <laughs> but you'll, you'll give them right back. I think MSNBC, um, so taking a step back, just the historical context of MSNBC, they Please. always thrive when we have an idiot in the White House. Yeah. Uh, so they were great when Bush was in office for both terms, and they've been wonderful with Trump and probably both of his terms because that's how Americans vote. But yes, I do highly recommend Rachel Maddow for anyone listening. She she is she's terrific. MSNBC in general is is generally terrific. And now that I've said that, I'm sure Fox News will never invite me back, and that's okay. <laughs> Well, I've heard Sean Hannity's quite entertaining this week. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, Graham, since now that he recommends Rachel, I know I'm interested. Oh, bad? I think you would be interested, Carol. Yes. Okay. I'm sure uh, she does do a podcast as well. So you can tune in on your regular podcast app just to her show. Okay. Um, so, BJ, what's your pick of the week? I have this thing about zombies. I, I'm afraid of zombies. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm... Oh, really? I think they're so great. <laughs> I have them around for tea all the time. I have them in my graphic novel where, you know, there's a picture of them going by on, like, a, a golf cart. Uh, and the zombies are, like, playing on their phone. And just that I'm terrified of them. So, for me, <laughs> I, I will generally avoid zombies in the media. And the reason why I mention that is I, I found I really enjoyed Santa Clarita Diet on Netflix. Oh, yes. I've seen that. Santa Clarita Diet. I've always been a sucker for Drew Barrymore. I mean, you know... She was in high school. I had a big crush on her. And, yeah. Um, and she's just very funny. Like, her timing has always been wonderful. And even that wasn't enough to sell me on the show. But I, I decided just randomly not to do work, which is odd for me. <laughs> very important. Uh, I, I'm a workaholic. And so I was like, all right, I'm just not going to do anything for the next day or two. And I'm going to binge watch something that 
I otherwise wouldn't have taken the time to. And it was Santa Clarita Diet. And it's, it's wonderful. What's the premise of the show? So the show is uh, Drew Barrymore and her husband are realtors. And um, she, under mysterious circumstances, becomes a zombie. And the family goes to these like hilarious lengths to try to cover it up. And uh, what, what's great is that instead of doing like a, a typical American sitcom where they reset the show at the end of the season or they reset at the end of the episode, the situation just keeps getting crazier and crazier as it goes. And as it builds into yeah. the second season, there's this whole world of things that you're introduced to. And I just I just love the sheer insanity, the, the, the batshit craziness of it. So, But it's also gruesome. It's it is. It's gruesome. Like, she's sitting there chewing on a leg and she's covered in blood. Oh, is it? What, like, you know? like the uh, Walking Dead or something? It's Gross not as gruesome though. as, let's say, yeah. like The Walking Dead. Like, I've seen some stuff from that that was just, I couldn't watch it after watching. But yeah, uh, yeah. the first six episodes are a little rough. Um yeah pretty graphic but it does kind of settle down a bit and into the second season it focuses more on the comedy aspect of it which i think just really works and and now that i've discovered it i I find that i can't i can't wait for the next season and i don't remember the last time i've said that (laughs) when you say it's funny view it as a sort of a zombie version of weekend at bernie's My favorite movie of all time. I would love that. But in this case, half the, the undead. I'm hearing a lot of clinky clinky. I don't know who's clinky clinking. That's a dog. Sorry. She she just made her grand entrance into the room. So far, she's well behaved. So if, if it's just clinking, we're okay. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so I, I mean, I, I love the show. It's I can't recommend it right. enough. Uh, did you, um, did, uh, do you know the show? Oh, I can't remember the name of it. Oh, have you seen Brain Dead? It was, an, it was on Amazon no, Prime. No, and yet. it's a kind of political alieny rather than zombie but i think you might enjoy it it's wonderful i saw promos for that I, it was on cbs i think here in the states i got to check it out hmm. that was my pick of the week it's a good pick of the week thank you crow what's your pick of the week mine is not gross mine's really useful so i live in like a modestly sized house but it has super solid walls and Anyone who has solid walls knows that solid walls are not good for Wi-Fi. Mm. So most people say, oh, what's the big deal? Just get a Wi-Fi extender. But so many are annoying, right? Because you're constantly switching between access points. It interrupts service, especially when you're on a call. So I've been looking for a solution, and I think I've found one. Enter Devolo. So I bought the DLAN 550 Wi-Fi starter kit power line. I know, the most uh, snappy headline ever. (laughs) But you can set it up to clone your router SSID, which means you don't keep dipping in and out of access point. And it's really easy to set up. So you get two adapters in the box, right? You put the first power line adapter, plugs into the router, and plugs into the power socket. The second one, you plug in to wherever you need to extend your connectivity. So if you're up in the attic, you plug it up there. If you're in the garage, you plug it in there. If you're in the back room, whatever. And then you press a button and boom, strong Wi-Fi across the entire house. Hopefully not actual boom. (laughs) No. Well, it depends on what you're into. <laughs> but the but the idea is that you're basically extending your wireless network using the the electric wires of your house, your existing. Exactly, it's a DLAN. How? Yes, right. Yes, exactly, yeah. and. And it's kind of cute because they've even added an extra socket on the adapter so you don't lose a power socket, which is nice. And I've been using it for about two weeks, and I think it's absolutely awesome. It costs about 100 quid or $150. Um, The one thing I don't know is how much power this actually uses. So uh, until uh, that's clear, I'd say it's wise to turn it off when it's not in use. 
but really easy just to plug and play. Really I good. Imagine, okay, the nerd in me is going to ask this question. I would imagine that you can encrypt the communication going down your power line. If, for instance, Kroll, Vladimir or Donald wanted to snoop upon your communication. Via my electrical wire? Themselves. <laughs> I know it's a little bit extreme, but it would be fairly easy for them to encrypt those messages as well. I imagine I they're doing that, aren't they? And yes, they do. Cool. Well, that uh, sounds like a good solution for you. This is great. I just bought a, a range extender for my dad and... I, every, all the issues yeah. that you were talking about, I was just sitting here and nodding my head. It's going, awesome. Yep, yep. That's it. so. This this sounds this sounds wonderful because this is the nice. quintessential thing. I mean, suddenly in my family, it matters less if the power goes out or the water is stopped than if the Wi-Fi stops. That is the thing. As my position of CTO of my house. Well, the extender will not work if you have no power, though. Oh yeah, good. Point. Okay. <laughs> and there you go. That's a perfect end. <laughs> End scene. And click. End scene. Well, I think on that bombshell, we've just about wrapped it up this week. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at Smash Insecurity. Uh, no G. Twitter wouldn't allow us to have a G. We've got an online store where you can buy stickers and T-shirts and things uh, at smashinsecurity.com slash store. And uh, I guess we have to also thank BJ. Thank you very much, BJ, for coming along today and joining us. Yes, you were a brilliant guest. Yep, thank you so if much. If people want to find you online, what is the best way for them to do Honestly, that? Honestly, uh, just bjmendelson.com. I use Twitter, but I mostly tweet about comic books and professional <laughs> wrestling. So uh, if you're into that, you can follow me at bjmendelson. But the, you know, the thing I wanted to share was I am giving away free copies of social media's bullshit. Uh, in its PDF format. So anyone who texts me at, uh, I'll give the, the country code here, 1646-331-8341. That's my actual number too, by the way. Like, So I'm going to give it again. It's uh, 1646-331-8341. That's my actual number. If you text me the word sheetrock, and it's spelled exactly as it sounds, I will send you a free PDF copy of Social Media's Bullshit. BJ, are you single? I, I am. And anyone is interested in asking BJ for a date, please use this number. <laughs> I I am all for it. <laughs> yes. But don't text yes. the word sheep. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. If you like the show, rate it on Apple Podcasts. It really does help new listeners discover us. And you can go to www.smashinsecurity.com for past episodes and for details of how to get in touch with us. Until next time. Thank you very much. Cheerio. Bye-bye. Adieu, tout le monde. Oh, bye, everybody. <laughs> I love that. That happened twice. <laughs>